As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, not too long to go now to the big kickoff. The excitement is building, and not least here at uh, Athletic Towers. Not that I'm in Athletic Towers, but anyway, uh, we have uh, two of our regular and very popular guests, Art de Roche and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. 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 Uh, is the excitement building for you guys, by the way? Are you feeling that excitement building? Well, well I'm about to jump on a plane, so I'm getting <laughs> excitement about that is, uh, you know, yeah. getting away for a bit is, is, is sort of taking over. But yeah, the season feels... Feels like it's on the horizon now. Adrian, it? Adrian, by the way, uh, listener, is off on holiday to. Uh, I was going to say warmer climes, but as we've been saying just before, <laughs> actually slightly cooler climes than we're currently <laughs> experiencing here in the UK. If you're not listening from the UK, we've just had the hottest temperature we've ever had. I don't know if if it's anything to do with global warming. It might be. We <laughs> we it, it depends who you read on Twitter. Anyway, uh, that's been going on. But the ones of us who've survived are not spontaneous combusted are here to talk Arsenal uh, today. The brand new away shirt was launched uh, the other day, made over £1 million in sales on the first day, which is a new record. And while we're talking about the kit, it was launched with a promotion for a supporter called Aston Mack. Uh, you may know this guy. He's founder of the Orlando uh, Freedom Fighters, and it showcased his work at the Black Lives Matter protest in America. Uh, it's worth this little two-minute video of him talking about why he wore it, and he talked about feeling that, sense of Arsenal community. I think we've all looked at Arsenal playing in America, seen a lot of Arsenal shirts out there. Um, but anyway, we were wondering, have you ever worn your shirt uh, outside of a football context? And did it uh, did it make you feel part of the community? Adrian, have you worn your shirt outside the Arsenal context? 
No, because I'd feel a bit of a dick, to be honest. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, look at me. I play for Arsenal. Well, you don't have to say that. I mean, you wouldn't have to say that. Some people would obviously recognise you. But some people would just go, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously some people would look at it and say, Adrian Clark wearing an Arsenal shirt. Look at him. Stop it. Yeah, I know I have it hanging up behind me on the wall, but I don't, I don't tend to go out in, in an Arsenal kit. I've got to be honest. But the only thing I can bring to the table is when we went abroad wearing the badge, you know, wearing your, your tracksuit, your, your your collared T-shirt and whatever, you did, you really did feel that sense of co- comradeship. I remember I went with the Arsenal-Norway trip, I referenced this a few pods ago, when I met somebody that had named their kid after me, which was great and a little bit freaky, but, um, <laughs> the, yeah. but, but everywhere we went, because we had to wear the gear, People were wanting to buy us drinks and, and, you know, sit down and have a chat and talk football. And it, it was really, really nice. I totally get why people would, would feel that sense of family when, they, when they're wearing the badge as well. Going back even further, when we went to China and Hong Kong, just just getting off the plane and walking in the airport terminal and seeing all these Arsenal fans just been waiting there for you. It's, it's mad. And obviously it's snowballed a lot since then. So, yeah, it, it is... I, I totally get get why um, they did this interview with the, with the guy. I thought it was a beautiful story and, and and I can see that sense of family. Even when I walk around up the street in Leicestershire, I'm in a sleepy Leicestershire village, if I see someone wearing an Arsenal shirt, even if it's a little kid, I want to go, all right, mate, how you doing? Like, it just makes you want to do that. Do you want to say, uh, I used to play for them? Or no? Well, no, but you, know, you, you don't want to... You don't want to did you, mate? Did you really? Un- you don't want to unnerve these kids too much. But, you know, but I, I do get that sense. I want to say, all right, mate, why do you support Arsenal? Blah, blah, blah. But you normally have to sort of just, just walk on by. No, I absolutely see that. It's sort of like bus drivers nodding at each other on the route, isn't it? You see an Arsenal shirt, go, all right, mate, Guna, nice one. And you see them in all sorts of places now. Uh, Art, your generation, football shirts are are fashion items. They weren't so much when I was growing up. Well, they weren't at all, in fact, when I was growing up. (laughs) Well, you guys can't see because obviously my video is not working today, but I'm actually wearing a France kit from 2009 with Henri on the back. Um, But in terms of Arsenal, I think I'm quite lucky that my area, so Lewisham in South East London, is very heavily dominated by Arsenal shirts. Big Gouda area, South East London, of course it is. Pretty much, I think this summer, I I feel like I've only seen Arsenal shirts worn around the area. And I remember if we go for a recent memory, uh, last season ahead of the North London derby, I needed to go to Tesco beforehand so i just thought I'd, I'd wear my arsenal shirt and as soon as i walked out my door someone drove past and beeped and i looked and they were actually wearing a, an arsenal shirt as well so i think um i'm quite yeah just lucky to be in an area that is very heavily dominated by arsenal fans even though charlton and Millwall and crystal palace <laughs> are around the corner of course they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even still, we've provided, I mean, th- that area has provided a lot of great Arsenal players in the last 20, 30 years. So mm. uh, we know the uh, the connection. I mean, Adrian, you mentioned Hong Kong. I remember going to mm. Hong Kong to do some gigs. This is back in 97, 98, something like that. And I wore an Arsenal shirt and I was a similar thing. People were very, very interested. I mean, there were two reasons they were interested in me. One, I was wearing the Arsenal shirt. Two, 
they genuinely never seen a person with a nose that big. Uh, it, it, it's like it's a very, very interesting thing. I had all sorts of little Southeast Asian kids just sort of staring at me from different angles. It's a and conversation I, starter, it isn't is, it? It is. It's a conversation yeah. starter. And, I, and, and, and much as when I was a kid, I used to find it quite upsetting. As a 50-plus-year-old man walking around in Southeast Asia, it was all right, to be honest with you. And the Arsenal shirt certainly helped as well, and people would talk about it. Like you say... And like uh, uh, Ashton says in that piece, if I needed something, a ride, somebody to go, help in a situation, that jersey guarantees that somebody would take care of me because that's what the badge means. You take care of your own. So wear your shirts with pride, listener, because uh, uh, they're looking good. All right, so Arsenal are in the process of finalising the contract of Alexander Sinchenko. Uh, it's going to be a four-year deal. That's what is expected for around 30 million quid. Um, Adrian, another versatile player, but I'm really, really excited about this one. We are, by the way, uh, recording this uh, in the morning on, what is it, Tuesday uh, today? Wednesday. uh, Is it Wednesday? (laughs) Uh, It's Wednesday. We're recording this. Sorry, you lose track in the heat. I did the same earlier today. (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, we're recording this on the Wednesday. Um... And it hasn't actually, I mean, he hasn't been revealed as an Arsenal player, but we've seen pictures of him turning up uh, with a big smile on his face posted by the Arsenal. We've seen, I've seen a video this morning of Pep Guardiola saying goodbye to him. He's going to be an Arsenal player. Adrian, like I said, I'm really excited about this one. I watched him last year. Uh, I've watched him the last few years. He's a high quality player. Yeah, he's, he's top class. Yeah, it's a really good signing. Decent value for money, I've got to say. For, 30 million, yeah. Yeah, for, for someone in their mid-20s coming into their prime, I think it's a, a very fair fee. He can obviously cover off several positions. He competes with Tierney for the left-back slot, but I also really like the look of him in this Xhaka role where we're seeing him on the left in quite an advanced left midfield position. I would love to see him in there as well because... If Tierney was on the outside of him, for example, they could interchange and cause cause a lot of confusion. I would I would imagine, and and in midfield where he plays a lot for the Ukraine, he's um, he, he's pretty tigerish actually, and 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 yeah, very very sort of dynamic player. But he's he's technically excellent, isn't he? I think that's the he key. Is. He wants to receive the ball. He can beat players. He can. He's very accurate with his passing. I mean, his numbers aren't anything to get excited about I think he got four Premier League assists last season he sort of averages around one key pass a game almost a shot a game it's okay but he knits things together beautifully I think as a player and and will fit in exceptionally well with Arteta's way of way of playing football so yeah fully on board with this acquisition yeah, uh, oh, I watched him play in, I think it was the semi-final of the Champions League last year against Real Madrid. Um, I think Cancelo couldn't play and he was brought in. And his distribution from that position, I, I mean, he was pinging 40-yard passes forward to the forwards and they were perfect, perfect weight, perfect timing. And you thought, oh yeah, this, I mean, not only was he, was he, he didn't look like a reserve on the pitch, he looked like one of those guys, he'd be like <laughs> first name on the team sheet. Um, I mean, Adrian said it's a fair um, fee, 30 million quid. I feel like we've got a bargain here. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone probably says that now about Erdegaard from last season for a similar price. I'm not sure what constitutes a bargain or not, if I'm being totally honest. 30 million um, does sound ridiculous for a bargain. I understand. (laughs) I understand that. There's people, yeah, I understand. It's it's people struggling out there, cost of living (laughs) crisis. But 30 million quid for a player who can play in in a number of positions and is more than proficient in a number of positions is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's the main thing. A lot of people probably would have thought, oh, it'd be Tierney or Zinchenko. I don't think it's going to be like that at all. It obviously can be at times because they're two very different left-backs anyway. Tierney's going to go around the outside a lot more often, whereas Zinchenko's in the half spaces just a lot more. And I think you saw that even in that Real Madrid game that you mentioned, Ian, where, okay, he can play those cross-field pings, but he can also drift into those more central areas where he receives it. And then he may just play a cute kind of cross into the box. I think he created a really good chance for Laporte in that game that way. And then also being in that position, he played a part in Bernardo Silva's goal. And I think just having someone who's comfortable in those areas is a massive difference because I remember asking Arteta about using Shaka in that more advanced role. And I asked him, what made you comfortable? doing that and the first word out of his mouth was I wouldn't say I was comfortable doing it (laughs) (laughs) so I think that that speaks volumes especially for a manager who is so I guess guarded in what he actually says so um, yeah I just feel like Adrian's point on lifting the technical ability of, of the squad and also just giving yourself options to be different within a structure um, and be more unpredictable is essential because Although Arsenal did make improvements last season, there's still probably a way for them to go to get to a point of even the early Emirates era where the football was outstanding. Quite. Uh, Adrian, this point you made about him playing in that advanced position in midfield, in that sort of uh, Xhaka role, if you like. I remember watching him play one time for Manchester City and for the first half an hour, and I'll admit, uh, my eyesight's not what it was, I genuinely thought Kevin De Bruyne was playing for them. <laughs> he was pinging these passes, and I thought, oh, my God, De Bruyne's playing brilliantly. And then I think my son said he's not playing. I went, Who's that? Zinchenko? Blimey, what's he doing there? But it does show you what we've got here. We, we have, obviously, a highly versatile player, but as you said, technically comfortable in that midfield area where there's pretty- a lot of traffic. Yeah, he's, he's been coached by Pep Guardiola for a few years. He's been in and around some of the best players on the planet. You've seen already with Gabriel Jesus in pre-season, the level of the player. And you can see that he's a level above maybe what we had before in those positions. And, and I'm hoping that Zinchenko will will shine just as, as brightly, really. But yeah, it's it just it gives us better cover for Tierney. But I think if Tierney's fit, he would love to put Zinchenko on his inside because how often do we see Xhaka come into the left-back position and Tierney fly on down the wing with Martinelli dropping inside? They're all comfortable in all of those positions, aren't they? So, But Zinchenko's ability to, to pick out a man with a low pass, a high pass, a short pass, a long pass is, is exceptional, I think. So, And that's what it's all about, getting your best forward players onto the ball as early as possible with quality service that's how you catch opposition defenses off guard so yeah I like this sign in Um, I'm not just saying it because we missed out on Lissandro Martinez but I like this sign in better 
Well, that was over fifty million quid, by the way, Martinez yeah. was. Over and they're different. The other guy, the other guy would have covered centre half. Very good long passer, but yeah, Zinchenko, um, I think, should solve that that fish out of water Xhaka situation. You know, inside the opposition half. And Premier League proven as well, Art. I mean, this I, I don't know how important you think that is, but it you know, bringing in players like Jesus and uh, and uh, Zinchenko, these guys have done it at the top level in the Premier League, higher than our team, actually. Mm. I, I don't think it's a be or end all, but I, I would say where Arsenal were hindered last year was their inability to respond to adversity in certain games and I think even though Manchester City are a possession team who dominate most games yeah they don't they... suffer a lot of adversity do they <laughs> no but City, I, I do feel that those players who say when they go 2-0 down against Aston Villa on the final day of the season and find a way to win and Zinchenko actually got an assist in that game as he well did. he did um, he made a I difference feel... in that game actually exactly Huge and I feel difference. like I feel like they'll just help and Obviously, both Jesus and Zinchenko are 25 years old, a bit older than the players that were bought last season, players who are all under the age of uh, 23. I just think they'll have a bit more know-how of how to navigate certain opposition in the Premier League. And I think yeah. that that could be really helpful. Proven winners as well, aren't they? I mean, obviously they've been lucky to play for a team like City, but yeah, well, you don't get they've lucky climbed to the mountain, haven't they? Like City, do you really? In the end, you're, you're, you're playing for a team like City because you're an excellent, excellent footballer. And they've been coached <clears> by an excellent coach in, uh, in Pep Guardiola. But you know what? The, both Jesus and Zinchenko have talked about how they, they wanted to work uh, with Mikel Arteta again as well. So... That is the Arteta effect, isn't it? Um, one of the things I wanted to ask both of you guys, this this idea, this squad that we have of, I don't want to say utility men, because I think they are, they're just outstanding footballers. I think utility men has a slight negative connotation to it. But is there any problem with this sort of jack-of-all-trades, master and none thing, Adrian? Or do you think, actually, no, they're, they're highly proficient in both positions or all the positions that they're going to play in? No, I think it. I think it's overwhelmingly positive. Anyone that's seen Arsenal under Mikel Arteta last season, or even in pre-season this year, will know that even though you might have a starting formation at various points in the game, players are popping up in different positions, and it's no good signing players that are only comfortable in one part of the field, is it? I think having adaptable footballers that that are comfortable receiving passes anywhere on the field that can see the picture from different parts of the pitch as well. It has to be, has to be a really good thing. And, and look, they're, they're, they're still masters of the trade. They're still very, very good footballers that will have their, their own individual strengths. Plenty of City fans, by the way, were gutted to see him go in the athletic comments section. Uh, the, the players that we still have, Nuno Tavares is out the door now. Art, do you think he's off on loan somewhere? Yeah, I, I think that would probably be fair. One thing... I think Arsenal do need to get better at is just <laughs> I don't maybe it's not them maybe it is but I just think finding clubs for their players they need to improve at whether it's loans for first team players or actually selling them on permanently buyer's it, market though isn't it Art, to be fair I moment. mean it is but when you look at last summer the only player they sold for actual money was Joe Willock <laughs> and then I think that yeah. That just needs to improve because there, yes, there you can... is 
Sorry, Elk, sorry so, to interrupt, but there is an argument to say that he was the only one that was really worth a huge amount, to be honest, of the players we were trying to get rid of, really. There might have been one or two we could have got a few mm. quid for, but it certainly wasn't enough to cover the extortionate cost that we paid for them. And obviously, Pepe falls into that category this time, true. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's also just finding, I guess, the best fit for the player as well, because it isn't as easy as no. just saying, oh, man A wants man B, that's going to happen. But yeah, it's just something that I think, yes, you you can build your squad, but um, you don't want to be in a situation again where you're leaving players unregistered in certain competitions. I think you'd rather just want to have it all settled before the season starts or at least before the transfer deadline. It, it comes down to wages. Like You join a club like Arsenal, yeah. you yeah. get weighed in massively with, with a great, great salary. And if you don't do the business and therefore Arsenal want to let you go, the only way is down. And mm. clubs beneath Arsenal in the ladder very rarely are able to, to, to sort of match those salaries. And if you're a footballer, pride kicks in and whatnot. And you're like, no, I don't want to take a, a 30 grand a week pay cut. So that holds things up as well. And it makes things a lot more complicated. Well, I mean, while we're on the subject, Hector Bellerin, what do you think his situation is? I mean, either of you can answer this. I mean, he's been wearing the captain's armband a couple of times. We all love Hector. We think he was a very positive influence at the club, but he's not going to get many games. I mean, is he is he staying? Is, is Cedric staying as well, by the way? I mean, he signed a four-year contract last year, so I'd imagine he is. Adrian? Yeah. Yeah. Arteta seems to really like Cedric. Yeah. And he's, do, he's doing okay. He's and doing Hector? fine. I just think he needs to leave. I think for his career, I think I believe he had a decent season for our Betis. Yes, um, they won some silverware, didn't they? Did they, they win the, the Copa del Rey? Yeah, Copa yeah. del Rey. So, so look, I'm sure clubs in La Liga will be interested, and I'm sure that they'll be able to pay a fee for him. I don't, I don't know what his value would be, um, but I'm sure he could get a decent fee. But the problem is, is they won't be able to match Hector's current salary. He he might just have to accept the fact that, that I need to take a drop here to make that move happen. So. Hopefully they can sort something out because he, at his age, player of his sort of reputation, he does not want to be third choice right back here at Arsenal. He has to move on, really. And do you think a drop in salary will affect the fashion? I mean, I'm slightly concerned about the sort of gear he'll be wearing next year. You don't have to answer that. I'm sure he'll survive. I'm sure he'll manage with £800 trousers instead of £1,000 trousers. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
we better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. Arsenal 2, Everton 0. I'm going to have a chat with James uh, Manicolas, who's out there in America in a second. Um, Gabriel Jesus scoring again. Uh, Adrian, you watched the game. I mean, it's the, I only watched the highlights. And what was interesting to me about the highlights is a lot of them took place in the Everton, uh, the last third where Everton were playing. So we were, we were keeping the ball and pushing them back. It's hard to make judgments based on a, a couple of, on one or two preseason games, but we look we look sharp, don't we? It's really sharp. Yeah, we look fit. We look sharp. We look hungry. We battered Everton. Honestly, it was it was pretty easy. They didn't offer up very much at all. We didn't create that many clear-cut chances, but but we looked good in the shape. We looked we were moving the ball really quickly. The pressing was pretty ferocious, I've got to say. Really stood out in this game that they'd worked on it. You know, they were going in packs of fours and fives. It was pretty organised. There was no half measures with it. And it caused, basically, Everton couldn't get out of their own half. The only time they ever caused a problem was when they went long into the channels and, and got someone to chase it. So yeah. pressing was excellent. Jesus was superb for both goals. Um, you know, nice control and finish for his goal. The assist, he received the ball in the pocket, turned, ran at the defence and then sort of flicked a pass into the box, which Saka converted. So he looks good. Saliba was smooth. Didn't have a lot to do, but he looked smooth. Um, and the other thing I would say from pre-season so far is Eddie Nketiah, even though he, good, he came on in the second half where it was a lot more bitty and you know we weren't quite as good. What's stood out is his running with the ball has been exceptional against Nuremberg and and in the game against Everton. He's been turning and then just going on these electric, mazy dribbles. Seems like he's got a bit quicker over the summer. I'm sure it's just my eyes deceiving me, but maybe that's what confidence does to a player. I don't recall him travelling with the ball as well as I've seen him in the last couple of games, which is pretty exciting, I think. Oh, I mean, you watched the game as well. I remember, on, on Adrian's point though, I remember Eddie Nketiah, a game away at Everton, which was a grim, disastrous evening when we lost in the, in the last minute. Or, but we played terribly. We were 1-0 up and then we let in two goals and it was just horrible. But I remember Eddie Nketiah coming on and making about three or four chances, including a glorious one near the end. He was running with the ball in that game as well. He has yeah. taken a step up, hasn't he? Yeah, I would say it's not something new. I, I think I noticed it last preseason actually where he was playing off the left as a wide forward and he'd receive it on the on the spin and then drive infield and he was doing it a lot. He did it against I think it was Watford in preseason and Chelsea yeah. as well at the Emirates he did it. And then the only thing is you don't really have an opportunity to show that on a consistent basis when you're, I think he was third choice striker at the time, coming on in the League Cup games, which no one's really going to remember. But then you fast forward to the spring and his goal, I think it's his second goal against Chelsea, he actually receives it on the turn there as well, has a little bit of fortune inside the box, but then gets the shot off. And I think I remember asking Arteta about it at the time and he said his understanding of the space and where he needs to be and where he needs to go has improved so much that season. And I think now you're just seeing someone who's confident as well. And I think having that option, whether it's him or Jesus or him and Jesus, I think is just great because you can see they they definitely do have 
a very good kind of chemistry when they're playing together. But if it's um, just one of them by themselves, you can kind of trust them to to um, be a platform. Maybe it's not in the sense of a traditional target man, but actually being able to to move with the ball. You saw it against West Ham last season with Anketia where he didn't score, but he, he was... He was the person who was driving Arsenal up up the pitch and made a real difference and in a in a game which was very tight as well. So I think having those options um, is a is a, a real positive. Well, let's talk to someone who's actually uh, out there in the United States at the moment. Uh, joined by James McNicholas. Hello, James. How is it in Orlando? Have you been to Wet and Wild yet? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done any of the theme parks yet, actually. Um, although it was pretty wet and wild yesterday, we had serious <laughs> storms here. Um, right. Which were very welcome because it's been pretty humid, although I hear nothing on what, what you guys have had back home. So I feel very lucky to be in a land uh, where every building is air-conditioned. <laughs> I've heard of that. Pray tell. I've heard that's really good, that air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we're going to have a weather chat, for once, it's been more extreme here than in America. But let's not do that. Let's talk about uh, the Arsenal. Uh, you were at the game in Baltimore. Uh, Adrian, uh, watched the whole game, said that everyone was looking sharp. Is that your view as well? Yeah, I think so. The context I would offer is that Everton looked way behind in their physical preparation. I think this was their first friendly of pre-season, whereas Arsenal uh, played in Nuremberg last week and they had a couple behind closed doors as well. Mm. Um, But Arsenal did look sharp nonetheless. And and in the first half in particular, it was a pretty strong side out there, you know, especially through the centre of the team. You had Saliba and Gabriel at centre-half, Partey, Shaka, Odegaard. That's really the first choice midfield. And then Martinelli and Saka playing off Gabriel Jesus. So, you know, the Arsenal fans in Baltimore got a look at a very, very, very strong side and will have been encouraged by what they've seen. In some ways, it was picking up where they left off, the final game of last season where they absolutely battered Everton. And I think scoreline could have been similar because in the first half in particular, they were pretty dominant. Yeah, uh, obviously all eyes on Gabriel Jesus. Uh, who else is impressed particularly? Of uh, I mean, of anyone who's just turned up, who have you looked at and thought, hello, he's done well? I mean, Adrian mentioned Eddie Nketiah. What do you think? I think that's a good shout, actually. Eddie looks really sharp. He looks to me sort of buoyed by that new contract, by that number 14. He looks like a player who feels like he's arrived. And I think physically... You know, because Eddie came through quite young, we always think of him as quite small and quite slight, but actually he's he's really filled out. There's a power and an explosiveness in the way he plays. And what's interesting is in Germany, obviously, Jesus and Nketiah played together and they've both spoken about that this week, about how much they enjoyed it. And Arteta said it's something he might want to try again in future, which will be encouraging for Eddie because, you know, not nominally sort of the second choice striker, but uh, I think he's got a chance of getting plenty of minutes of this season Beyond that, I mean, look, everyone's all eyes were on William Saliba, who was making his uh, return to Arsenal after the, his spell with Marseille. And I thought he looked pretty comfortable. Everton have a couple of very physical centre forwards in Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Salomon Rondon, who came on. And I think he certainly met that challenge, you know, pretty well. But yeah, I think they were the standout ones. And Jesus is is the obvious choice, but... It is just striking how much he is adding to this team, even in these pre-season friendlies. You know, Arsenal fans, it's like, you know, 
they're quenching their their thirst after sort of you know spending a long time in the desert in terms of the the movement <laughs> the threat the energy the work rate yeah. it's just a relief to see up front and it's been missing for some time so he's obviously been the star man thus far and uh, yeah all eyes are on him and what about the general vibe coming out of the camp? I mean, everyone's optimistic at this time of year. It's not just me. Uh, but with new arrivals there and more to come, um, is it time to believe, James? <laughs> <laughs> well, believe in what? Believe in what? I guess it depends. depends. <laughs> third. Believe, believe in third. Can we believe in third? Maybe. I mean, certainly the vibes are really good. And that's been something that's been really apparent, actually. I've been lucky enough to go down and watch a bit of training here and there. And everybody seems to be bought in. They're having a good time. Of course, you know, why would they not? They're in the Florida sun and, uh, you know, it's pre-season. There's no stakes for them. But, you know, it's not all hunky-dory as a player in this period of time. You're cooped up in a hotel, haven't got your family with you. It's not like you're allowed to go out partying every night. So, you know, they can get bored, they can get distracted, but these guys genuinely seem to be having a really good time in each other's company. And that goes all across the squad. You know, even some of the fringe players who you'd think might have one foot out the door, they seem engaged, they seem part of it. Uh, And credit to the staff for sort of managing to create that atmosphere. And I mean, Rob Holding said to me the other day, he just said, I like spending time with these people, you know, be it the players, be it the staff. I'm happy in their company and uh, not all football clubs are like that. So the fact that Arsenal is at this present point in time is definitely a positive thing. And uh, you had a chat with Fabio Vieira as well as the piece uh, on the website. He's five foot seven. You know, he's a little guy. There's no Mm -hmm. getting away from it. And he talks about the Premier League. It's more intense, more physical. I mean, I'm reminded of Robert Pires, who, by the way, was six foot one. But you know what I mean? He when he first turned up, he didn't have the physicality and he was shocked by it to the point where Arsene Wenger didn't even let him play in a game. He said, sit down and watch first. So a guy of five foot seven like Vieira, he's going to have to work, isn't he, on that aspect of his game? Definitely. I think he knows that. I think the staff at Arsenal know that. I mean, he's about five seven, but he's slight with it as well. You know, he's not, mm. he's not got a kind of Leo Messi stocky build. He is a very slender guy. And uh, in, fact, in fact, I saw on Instagram, I think uh, he posted that he was back in training and uh, Nuno Tavares commented in Portuguese something to the effect of, you look thinner than ever. Um, so they'll be working on bulking him out, no no doubt about that. But I asked him <laughs> yeah. about it and he said, um, you know, he was he's a, he's a very confident young man and, and he, he basically said, well, listen, I, I'll work on it, but it's never been a problem for me until now. I've always been smaller, I've always been lighter, but, you know, my game's played in my head. It's about thinking before the opposition, getting there early, making early choices. Now, that will be put to test in the Premier League, which we know is incredibly athletic. But he played against Liverpool in the Champions League last season, played pretty well in that game, said he felt comfortable on the pitch. And, you know, they don't come much more physical in terms of opponents than Liverpool. So I think, like Pires, there's going to be a period of adaptation. He's not even really taking part in full training yet. He turned up with a, a foot injury, picked up on international duty. So I think it might be some time before we see him starting games. But... Everyone certainly seems very excited about the talent and I'm sure they'll have him in the gym trying to get him ready for the start of the season too. And and, uh, him and Nuno uh, Tavares seem to have a bit of bants going on. Apparently he looks like teabag from prison break. I don't know. I don't even know what that sentence means, to be honest. But um, uh, does he? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
he do, he yeah, he does he does look like him. I don't think it's a massively flattering comparison. Um, right. Uh, certainly in terms of Teabag's character, I don't think he's someone you'd want to be associated with. But there is a physical resemblance. But you know there is that big Portuguese speaking contingent in the squad now. Nuno and and. Um, Fabio obviously know each other from the uh, Portuguese under-21 squad. But there's also Cedric Suarez, who's a Portuguese international, and all the Brazilian guys. And, you know, the likes of Marquinhos, Martinelli, Jesus, uh, Gabriel Magalhaes, the centre-half. Uh, they're all kind of bonding. And I think it's really, it's really good for them that they have that group to fit into, especially for the guys like Marquinhos, like Vieira, whose English is is less good. I mean, Fabio's was very good, but I think Marquinhos is a little bit behind. To have people to speak to, to show them around the club, to show them the way they do things and to help them with the language is obviously going to be invaluable to them. I've just had a look at the um, uh, the pictures of Teabag from Prison Break. That's mm-hmm. not uh, not bad comparison, to be honest with you. Um, no. Fair play, Nuno Tavares, who may not be there, by the way. I mean, I mean, we don't... We obviously don't know. Uh, it looks like Alexander Zinchenko is signing for the club. It's likely, isn't it, that uh, Tavares... Is it Tavares or Tavares? I don't even know. Why, he's going to go out on loan, isn't he? I imagine. We'll just call him Nuno, we'll just call him Nuno shall we? Nuno, I think you're right. Uh, keep yeah. that easier. Um, I think uh, it's certainly a possibility. I don't think it's something he's particularly pushing for. I think you know he enjoys being at Arsenal and he'd be up for staying and fighting for his place. But from an Arsenal perspective... I think alone would be pretty useful because although Tavares is an exciting prospect, I think we'd all have to admit there's he's quite raw at times. He ain't getting many games this year, is he? If uh, no, if Zinchenko no. and, uh, and Tierney are fit, no. If Zinchenko and Tierney are fit, you know he's going to be behind those guys in the pecking order. So it might make sense for him to go elsewhere, play some regular football, and we can have another look at him in six months, twelve months. I mean, you know, we've seen real benefit with the loan market with some players. In some ways, William Saliba, you know, he could be argued to be a success story in terms of the use of the loan market if he comes back and does well this season. So they might be looking at that as an option for him. Zinchenko, he's out here. He was in the States already with City. He's now here in Orlando. He's at the the training complex. I think pretty much all the medical testing is is done by this point. So he's going to be an Arsenal player. And I wouldn't even rule him out from being involved in the game against Chelsea at the weekend at this stage. Well, before that, we're playing Orlando City at the Exploria Stadium this evening, late evening for us. I mean, if you're looking for a phrase to illustrate how football's changed, you could do worse than Orlando City in the Exploria Stadium. Um, any thoughts on the lineup, or, or all bets off at the moment? I mean, he's just trying stuff out, right? I, I hope you're asking about the Arsenal lineup because I don't have a great deal of thoughts about the Orlando one. Um, I have to be yeah. honest. Uh, well, it's a time for experimentation. And, you know, in the previous friendly against Everton, Arteta used, you know, almost two 11s, really. I mean, he changed pretty much every player on the pitch at a certain time. He used different formations. I think he changed formation twice in the second half. And I expect to see more of that because I think he feels that with five subs coming in, you know, the Premier League is going to become a little bit more chess-like. It's going to give managers more options, more flexibility within games. And Arsenal need to be prepared for that. You know, they need to be prepared for a scenario where they have to go to two strikers or have to go to three at the back. And I think he'll he'll be wanting to implement that. In terms of personnel, there's a few players carrying knocks. I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe um, has got a little knock on his thigh, so I don't think he'll be involved tonight. 
question marks over, you know, Tommy Asu, Tierney, Ben White. These are guys, Marquinhos, these are guys who just in the last couple of days have had to spend a bit more time in the gym than on the training field. I'm assured nothing too serious at this point, but it, it might keep them out of, of the friendly this evening. But I expect we'll see a lot of the same names we saw on Saturday against Everton. So the likes of Shaka, Odegaard, Jesus, Saka. Um, I think it'll be a strong Arsenal eleven because we're getting close to the season now. We certainly are. One Actually, I've got one more question because uh, um, we talked about Aston Mack wearing his Arsenal shirt on the um, Black Lives Matter uh, mm. protest. I, I mean, I watched that game against Everton. There's a lot of Arsenal support. I mean, I know we're a, a club owned by Americans, but even still, it surprises me. You see a lot of red shirts. Yeah, you do. And, you know, there, I, there was a few Everton fans in Baltimore too. They've got a bit of American following because they had American players like Tim Howard, Brian McBride, Landon Donovan. But they were dwarfed by the Arsenal fans. And I went to the block party they had before the game and it was rammed red and white everywhere. And it was it was honestly quite surreal to see. I was with Mark Brindle, who's the club support liaison officer, and he was like, I've never seen anything like this anywhere in the world. I mean, it was jam-packed full of Arsenal fans and, you know, it's singing the songs, uh, albeit in an American accent, changing it to an English accent when it needed to in order for the rhyme scheme to work, which I respected. Um, it, they were honestly really dedicated, really passionate, thrilled to be right. there. And I think the players absolutely loved it. And we're expecting big crowds in Orlando too, especially as we get towards the weekend in the Chelsea game, because I imagine there'll be a fair few Chelsea fans coming in as well. But Arsenal have got this history in America, you know, the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, they've got followings in America, but Arsenal's dates back a little bit further. You know, there's a bit more history there. And I think around kind of 2000s, when the Premier League started to get more coverage in the US on TV, a lot of fans fell in love with the football that Arsenal played. And it was the aesthetics. It was the kind of icon of Arsene Wenger. And it was stars like Thierry Henry. From the conversations I'm having, they, they played a massive part in engendering this support, which endures to this day. So, yeah, it's been brilliant to spend time with those Arsenal fans. And, you know, some of them, there are, I was chatting to a guy yesterday who lives on the West Coast. I mean, he's getting up sometimes at 3am to watch a game. So the dedication is something else, really. Quite. I hope he didn't get up at 3am to watch us play Man City away last season. <laughs> but you know, I guess he did. Actually. I fear he may well have done. I fear he may well have done. He said, Well, I think well he said done that, that the, man. Um, yeah, I think he said that maybe he gets up at 3 and the kickoff's around 4, but the pub won't actually start serving alcohol until 6. But I guess after watching a game like that, Man City... <laughs> You'd be waiting for that six o'clock to come round, you know. You'd probably be in there a few hours trying to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, well done, those Gooners. We appreciate the support, of course we do. Nice to speak to you, James. Make sure you uh, slap on the sunscreen, especially now. <laughs> and um, I will, yeah, well, exactly. I've got we'll a hat with me, don't worry. Good, OK, and we'll see you at some point in the next few weeks. Speak to you soon. Yeah, that was The Athletic's very own James McNicholas out in the US of A. Uh, Adrian James uh, was talking there about Fabio uh, Vieira coming into a new team. I mean, there's also, there's quite a few others as well. Matt Turner, Alexander Sinchenko, Gabriel uh, Jesus. I mean, it takes a bit of time to settle in, but it seems... I mean, how was it for you, do you think? Do you think things have changed now? Do you think it's more welcoming? 
Oh, I think you always get a pretty good welcome. No, it's exciting. It's new. You've just been signed by somebody. So you go in there with all the optimism in the world. You're, you're excited at the prospect of, of making an impression. Do you have to do um, an initiation get... song or something? Do you have to sing a song <laughs> I, in front of I, I kind of, I think I've, my career preceded that, really. I didn't really have to do one, which is bizarre. I mean, I'd have been fully up for it. Right. Um, We're yeah, going to ask not, you to do one for not, this, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's OK. Not, not so up for that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'd have been up for it. I don't mind a little sing song. Um, no, it's... I think the only issue is if you your first few training sessions you're a bit rubbish, and then you can you can start to think oh there's a lot of eyes on me uh, do they do, you know do they think we've, they've made a bit of a boo boo signing me so that's the only thing that can dent you it, I found it very exciting, um, bit scary obviously you're a bit nervous yes yeah, Simon um, what about walking into a dressing room with some some big characters in there I mean you walked in yeah I mean, yeah. I mean you know you had some big players in that dressing room when you walked in there is there not well, a little I mean, bit of oh my god. Playing with him. He's an England <laughs> international, that bloke. Well, yeah, you can't think like that as a footballer, though. You have to sort of back yourself to be on that level, even though you know you're not. You've got you to gotta make yourself think you belong there. And I think that's what most footballers do. Um, I was pr- more excited, really. <laughs> there's, you know, there's Tony Adams, there's Merce. I can't wait to sort of, you know, play alongside these guys. So, no, I, I think you've... Yeah, excitement overtakes nerves in my experience, but everyone's different, aren't they? Of Every course. personality it has that has their own way of thinking. You can't put yourself into somebody else's head, really. But but for me, whenever I work for a different coach, I really liked it because uh, you got to learn new things. You did Stimulated. different training sessions. Yeah. You, you things that maybe you'd got a bit of stale were, were out of the window. It was all all a bit fresh, and that, and that's good for footballers. Uh, I remember when I did um, I did a, a big comedy club for the first time. It's like a thousand years ago, and I walked <laughs> in and uh, and one of the comics said I was looking around the, the the room thinking these guys are all excellent, and one of the comics said to me, "You're here because you deserve to be here," uh, and those those little moments that you get from essentially senior pros can make a huge difference. Yeah, it, it is quite. I think. Y- people can be in their own heads wherever they are, if it's football related or not. And then to have someone, I guess, just ground you in the situation and I guess put you at ease, I think is massive because you can be in situations where you are actually excited, but because you are in your head so much, you just make maybe silly little mistakes and stuff like that. And then that might paint how people view you. But um, I think where, say, if we're looking at it from an Arsenal perspective, everyone's kind of sharp and they're talking about how everyone's quite like a family. I think that should just help to help everyone hit the ground running, basically. Yeah, quite. The the feeling you're chasing as a new player is very simple. It's acceptance. When you feel accepted within that group, as a lad, as a person and as a footballer, you're away and running. And and that's what all these new guys are, are sort of chasing at the moment and i'm sure they're getting that too great um now there's a piece on the website by ahmed walid and mark carey why gabriel jesus will improve arsenal scoring weight with the cutbacks arteta loves now when we're talking about cutbacks we're not talking about making 50 of the catering staff redundant again <laughs> it's not about that it's about the way arsenal played last year um art uh, we were third in the charts last year with a number of cutbacks behind Manchester City and Chelsea. And Gabriel Jesus helps that because he 
he has a particular way of playing. You can read this in the article about pulling off the defender and finding that space in the box. And then he's there for the cutback. These things don't happen by accident, do they? No, and I think with Arsenal, you, you look at how they played last season and a lot of those cutbacks would have been going to the edge of the box for Erdegaard, Smith-Rowe or Saka. I think that was a real kind of plan for them, especially at the midpoint of the season where you saw finally they had players in midfield who could actually score goals. The only issue was they didn't have a striker who was scoring goals. And I think having two options uh, for those cutbacks, whether it's to the closer to the penalty spot or into the six-yard box where Gabriel Jesus would make his runs, I think it just gives you a bit more unpredictability, which is seeming like a buzzword at the minute. But um, I think it's just massive for having different ways to attack teams um, and giving them more than one problem to solve. Well, I'm, I noticed last year, Adrian, I mean, uh, Alexandra Lacazette would rarely get in the six-yard box. I mean, rarely. And that means we are a little bit predictable because if he's hanging back, he's getting in the way of the, the midfielders coming onto the ball. Hopefully, hopefully, Gabriel Jesus will create a bit more space for our boys in the box. Yeah, he definitely will. He's he's mobile. He'll, yeah, he'll drag defenders out of position, maybe for other players to profit from inside the box. I think with cutbacks, obviously, it's nothing new. It's always the aim. You know, I was a winger. The aim was always to get to the byline and cut the ball back because that's the toughest thing for for defenders to defend. It's really, really awkward, but it's not always possible. Um, you need to have penetration. You need to be able to go past players on the outside need overlaps to come off. And and I think Arsenal, there was a period of years really where it was all about inverted wide men and everything was channeled inside and, and we were playing in front of teams really. And and I think what's happening, the fact that we're the third best at scoring goals from cutbacks, I think is a sign that we've got more penetration now and a bit more movement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And yeah, it, it places that bit more importance, as Arts was saying, on midfielders to join in. Yes. And to get in the right positions. Also for opposite opposite wide men. So if it builds up down the right, it's a bit in cut back. You need your Martinelli's or your Smith Rose, whoever's on the left, to take up that position as a second centre forward or as an on-rushing midfielder. So um yeah, it's a it's a great tactic. We're good at it. Long may that continue. I think Jesus will be pretty lethal from those kind of situations. First time but you can't just do as well. that. First time shooting as well, Adrian, you know. I mean, he does a lot mm. of first time shots. Out of the 90 non-penalty goals uh, Jesus scored for City, 62 of them were first time strikes. It gives no one time to defend if you if you do exactly. it that quick. Well, the, yeah, exactly. All the best strikers can can finish one touch. So yeah, it it's great. But you can't just be about getting to the byline and cutting the ball back. You got to have other ways of hurting teams as well, and I think that is where we we really can improve. Um, well, is yeah. is this about buying a tall striker, Adrian? Is this <laughs> what you're saying here? I'm not going to I'm not going to bang on about that. <laughs> to be honest, it's more it's more about getting accomplished finishers into the team. I was looking at the stats from last season. Big chance conversion. Okay, it's easy easy chances. How many of them did we tuck away? The answer is thirty nine percent which is ranked 13th. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Um, in terms of our overall shot conversion rate, I think it's 14.6%, 12th. So it's, it's clear that we can improve on our on our finishing. And, and ugh, look, Jesus has to, has to help us in that regard. I'm sure he will. 
Yeah, well, you should have a read of this piece, uh, listener, if you haven't. Ahmed Walid and Mark Carey about uh, the cutbacks. There are so many <laughs> examples. And it's quite fun because the first five or six are ones that we scored. But then you see, I don't know, 20 or 30, where you go, oh, yeah, should have scored that, should have scored that, which does speak t- to your numbers, uh, Adrian. Um, anyway, I'm sure it'll be uh, exciting when we get um, when they run out for the first game of the season. Uh, oh, my God, that's not far away. 5th of August, isn't it, against Palace. Uh, very, very excited. Um the other thing that happened this week, the All or Nothing, the full trailer was was released. We we saw about a week and a half ago the 35, 40 second one. Now we've seen one which is two minutes, which is a lot more shouting, to be honest with you. Uh, Mikel Arteta getting quite annoyed with them. Uh, I mean, I, I actually watched the full trailer and I got a bit more excited than I did before. Uh, I don't particularly want to go over old ground, but seeing the coach start rattling laundry baskets about. That's what I <laughs> sort of wet my appetite a little bit. I don't think the teaser trailer was really needed if you were going to bring out the, the two-minute version. No. But um, I think the one thing that struck me was how people reacted to it. I think a lot of people were talking about the, the like half a second showing of a fight at the training ground. And I was like, why are people overreacted to this? Like ha- that probably happens. Day, yeah, it happens every day. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, Most no. weeks, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I'd just be interested to see like the dynamic between say certain players, how, how Arteta actually speaks to them as well when in those moments, um, but also in the more quieter moments during the week, I think, I don't think it's going to be the most groundbreaking thing ever, but it'll just be decent to get a bit of an insight to how they actually work at Arsenal. What do you think, Adrian? I mean, when you're a player, they didn't have cameras following you about all day, every day. Uh, obviously, things are very, very different now. Um, do you think certain things should be sacrosanct inside the dressing room or do you think, actually, you know, it's the modern age and this is what it is? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I no, I, I I like it. I like it. I like the fact that we get to see it. I'm, I'm just being selfish here. I want to see it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how Arteta talks to the players. I want to see the personalities of the guys there. And the players, it wouldn't have happened. I, I don't think the players would have had a, a huge say in this. But I think if it had kicked off hard enough, maybe they could have. They could. They could have stopped it. So, so yeah. Look. You, Nothing to hide, is there? Transparency. <laughs> We're all doing the best to to wear the shirt with pride, to do your job properly. There shouldn't be any reason to to keep anything private. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the editing will be nicely done, and we won't. And some of the juicier bits won't won't be there, but it will still be really entertaining and 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 definitely insightful. I I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to binge watch it for sure. <laughs> the only th- the only thing is, it comes out at the start the, the day before the start of our season. I just don't want the players to be distracted by the attention that it's sure to to garner. So uh, yeah. hopefully they can sort of block out the noise. Yeah. Well, hopefully. And like I say, it is a little bit of going over old ground just when the new season started. But if the new season, I think what I might do is wait a couple of weeks. And if the new season starts well, I can watch it as some sort of you know, historical drama almost. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that happened back then. But this is different now. We've won our first three games. We've got off to a great start. We've got a goal difference of plus 10. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we'll see. Um, One more thing. Uh, The Women's Super League have released their fixture list. 
They get Arsenal going to kick off their campaign at Manchester City on the weekend of 11th of September. Uh, Art, um, you said that the players who aren't playing in the Euros at the moment are back in training already. Yeah, I think they got back into preseason either Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it is. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I I think it's quite funny that they've got Manchester City on the opening day this season because they had Chelsea on the opening day last season and uh, Jonas Edeval, the manager or head coach, I should say, that's his actual title, said he prefers harder starts because then you have to be on it from basically straight away. So I think... Um, they'll probably try and take the same approach into this season. I think the the one thing would just be, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the players who come back from the Euros because last season they had to come back very quickly because of the Champions League qualifiers. This year they have the luxury of not having those qualifiers to play in. Um, so I just w- wonder how uh, the club would deal with that and uh, basically whether they'll spread their minutes a bit more than they did last season because um, they did struggle a bit in the middle of the year, um, around January, December time. So hopefully that kind of gives them a bit more time to, to refresh. Uh, yes, because the penultimate game of the season uh, is against Chelsea, Adrian. Title decider, do you think? Well, it could be. It could be, couldn't it? Um you want to be in those big games. You want, if that game matters, the penultimate match of the season, if it matters, then Arsenal have done okay, haven't they? So that's that's the aim, I guess. Get to the point, in with the shout of winning the title and, and it could it could be the one that, that swings it our way. So yeah, look, I don't think Arsenal are afraid of anybody under Jonas Edeval. I think that he's, the mentality he's brought into the players has been really, really excellent and they have been better in the big games than they were under Joe Montemuro, who I really liked as a coach, but but they had a poor record against the big ball, the big teams. So um, so yeah, they've changed things around. Uh, yes, uh, well, like we said, the uh, Women's Super League kicks off on the 11th of uh, September. We'll be talking more about that uh, as the season uh, starts. Um, that's it. Can we have a song to finish? Uh, Art, what have you got? There's no reason for this other than I was chatting to Abby about it. Um, <laughs> Kanye West flashing lights. <laughs> okay, it's a, and, and it's a tune. It is a tune, so why not? Uh, Adrian, what have you got? Well, look, pre-season, three games, three wins, the sun shining, sun in the sky. Um, I'm feeling good. Feeling good by Michael Bublé. Drifting on. Michael Bublé. You've chosen the <laughs> yeah. Bublé one. The, the I Bublé mean, Nina gets Simone. a run out. Okay, fair enough. Well, okay. Yeah, do you know what? I forgot about that. It's a new day. Take your pick. Um, it's but a you yeah, have it's the a Bublé. fresh start. I'll have the Nina Simone. How about it's a that? new dawn. It's a new day. <laughs> yes. You know, it's all good. We're feeling good. It is. Okay. Uh, and uh, on my producer, Abby has just said the Muse one. And I'm feeling good. The Muse one is great, actually. I really oh, like I have heard well. that. Yeah, it's if, excellent. Yeah. If you like rocking out, and I do like rocking out, that one. Um, by the way, I don't know this. I mean, I, this is not a tune as much. Uh, Van Morrison who I admire for his uh, irritability if, if, if uh, <laughs> above everything else, really. I, was, I almost look up to him as some sort of irritable guru. Uh, he did a whole uh, album called Versatile. I can't say I've heard it, but uh, it does really sum up uh, what most of our team can do, the versatility of the team. That's it.
for the Handbrake Off podcast. Thanks to Abby, our producer. Thanks to Art and Adrian and James out in the United States of America. And thank you, listener. Uh, two and a half weeks to go to the start of the season, but it's looking good. <laughs> uh, see you soon. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs>